Get ready to quit the build. The QTB crew is rounding up all the gaming news and hot topics of the week with a little extra something. And here are your hosts, Bruno, Brad, and Nick. What it do? You're listening to the QTB podcast. I'm your host, Bruno. And with me, we have Nick, of course, and subbing in for Devil's Bradvocate, it's James. Hey, there he is. James Crow, Bruno. And he is the host of the Games with John and James podcast and the editor-in-chief for the newly founded Co-op Podcast Collective. We'll be talking more about that in just a little bit. But James, welcome. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, It's been super awesome. I know we've been talking back and forth for the past week, and it's just been an awesome network. I love being here, and I am just excited to share everything with the masses. Definitely. And it's uh, it's great to have you. You know, we have we already have one of your blog articles up on our website now. Again, we'll talk about that uh, in a little while. But uh, yeah, a, a big we had a, a loaded news week. The last couple of weeks, we had been like coming up with like comedy right. bits to like fill in <laughs> the gaps. And Listen, then PAX East happened with like a the, million announcements. Oh, so here's the thing. Yeah. They the, the people want QTB nights to be a regular thing. Yeah. This is this is very clear. We've <laughs> we've heard from everyone, and that's the reaction. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> we're going to be continuing that, and and, and it's just been a, it's been a rough couple weeks for us because it's just been sickness after sickness after this after that mm-hmm. for for each of us. And so, you know, I'm hoping that we can get back to some normalcy with awesome video games and just what's right around the corner because nick i'm excited yeah yeah yeah. this Uh this reinvigorated me and i gotta say okay e3 is not looking good not looking good because we already got all the announcements we need we got them all we got them all for Bexies. <laughs> Ubisoft was like, yeah, we're done. Uh, the news just dropped that Sega and I think another also backed out. So even like the third party developers are just like, yeah, not so much. It is kind of irrelevant. You, f- you kind of feel like a part of gaming history is dying with that, right, James? Like it, it just seems that's so unlikely. It's it, it's wild to think about. I remember watching E3 growing up. Um, I got to attend one in 2007, and it was just it was so surreal just seeing everything there. And I think I think Nintendo, Sony, and all of them they've they kind of stole the thunder. Personally, I feel in like in a great way with like the Nintendo Directs, the Sony State of Plays. I think that's really cool because I think it just gives so much more voice to some people that kind of get pushed out the door with E3. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree 100%. And I think that that's, you know, I mentioned to you guys earlier, I, you know, I said, uh, I think that that E3 has overplayed their hand in the last few years. It's gotten to be this commercial type of experience where it needs to be televised. And, you know, we've got to have 24 hour news cycles surrounding it. And it's it's that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. for marketing people, right? Like I, I work in marketing as well. James does as well. And, and that to me is just like a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare to go through every year from, from a, from a news standpoint, from a developer standpoint. I mean, everything has to be big at E3 and they created this mammoth 
that essentially no one wants to participate in anymore because yeah. it's just too it's too ridiculous, right? <laughs> like if you've got to if you've got to create <laughs> a a video demo of you and then you got to go out there and pretend you're playing the video demo that's not really mm -hmm. you playing it. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting them like right. I mean, come on, we that's really happened, right? Like, and it's just not necessary. It's not necessary. We've had to hire celebrity endorsements over the last couple of years to get any eyes and attention on there. And I think that every developer would probably agree with me. Every console maker would agree with me that doing your own direct, doing your own state of play or your own, your own series of announcements, even if it's just in front of a camera Right. Like yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's effective and it draws the hype needed. I, e we, we got tears of the kingdom footage this week and I'm excited. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now James warned me because both uh, myself and Bruno James, we, we went into this and we went into full fanboy mode over this new trailer. For those of you oh, who don't yeah. know about a 12 minute, a uh, gameplay trailer has dropped for Tears of the Kingdom out next month. And I, I got to tell you, like, we've waited for so long to get just anything more than a screenshot or a brief snippet of anything. And yeah. this, I mean, this not only gave us more gameplay, but it actually showed some of the mechanics that Link will be able to utilize. Um, I mean, what, what you got to see this, James. What were your impressions of that uh, of that trailer? So I think I'm going to make your draws drop here a little bit. I have actually not played a Zelda game. Since Majora's Mask, I boycotted the franchise because I what? like you. No GameCube. Uh, I was strictly PlayStation diving into mm. everything there. Um, Breath of the Wild never actually played up until. So I'll be honest with you. After watching this trailer, I had it sitting on my shelf. It's probably one of the dustiest games on my shelf. I was like, you know what? I have harped. I have sounded against it. This Tears of the Kingdom trailer blew my mind and it's so the world was just so fresh and so vibrant mm, yeah. and it's like, yeah. it's like a night and day look from the first one. And I will admit, I have sank almost five hours since watching the trailer <laughs> into that game <laughs> and I'm hooked. Like I have put full pause on all JRPGs. And wow. If you listen to the show or you know me, that's basically, you know, like hell freezing over. Yeah. Wow. That's that saying is, something. I'm mm -hmm. I'm with you. Breath of the Wild is I, I'm currently just like engrossed in it. I played it when it came out for I had the Wii U. I didn't get the Nintendo Switch until recently. And I my my wife for my birthday got me Breath of the Wild for Nintendo Switch. And so I started playing it. And I I just I absolutely love it. I I went ahead and grabbed all the Amiibo cards online and I run through every day, you know, getting all this stuff from them. And it just, it's one of those games that you kind of get lost in it. And I haven't had a game like that since Ocarina of Time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, you know, for most gamers in terms of Legend of Zelda, that is the, the, the pinnacle that, that game right there just you know soundtrack alone is yeah. enough to to want to get you invested in in what the game has to offer and 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 uh uh 
Breath of the Wild is no different. You know, if you're a gamer out there and you haven't tried a a a Legend of Zelda game, these two that are coming, or well, this one, uh, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah, these two games are are amazing, and I don't think that one is going to uh, outdate the other. You know, I I think looking back at a lot of these games, we 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 tend to you know, we tend to hold them in high regard, but going back and actually playing them is a whole different beast because I think that's a lot of re- lot of the reason why Skyward Sword was so kind of universally panned was the fact that you had to use these motion controls. And it just, you know, that's yeah. not something you'd want to force on people, right, Nick? Yeah, and I mean, the Switch still did it, and the Switch still does it, but for the most part, like, motion controls are usually an option and not, like, yeah. required to play the game. Um, you know, what honestly got me hyped about this trailer is is what they re- re- revealed to be the new mechanics that you can use to interact with the world. Um, you know, I uh, spent uh, many an hour in my in my teenage years playing a little something called Gary's Mod, which was a oh. uh, it was a mod of Half-Life. Still that later became. Yeah, it became an official thing. It's still widely played. Yes. Which, with a very yes. uh, basic premise. Take the engine right behind Half-Life 2 and give you a playground to just kind of do whatever and you could you know weld things together and spawn assets from different games it has a robust uh, co- custom content community role play servers you name it um and i just loved going on the default map and just like fusing things to like jetpacks engines and like you know and just <laughs> and like, controlling it and it was it was a ton of fun i mean it was it really was unique and so what i love about this trailer is that fuse tactic that 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 ability that is going to be a game changer and i'm telling you like it's going to be worth the wait for this game. The the concept of being able they show you like he you know he uses a tree branch to take down an enemy and the tree branch breaks right away. He has to find a second one. Then he fuses it to a boulder, boulder and makes yep. a mace out of it. And then it has more durability. I love that. Like yeah. that that right there being able to just put weapons together, being able to attach things to your arrows using an eye to make it homing. Like oh, there yeah. were there were mechanics in Breath of the Wild that like you could attach things but you had to have a specific substance to do it. Um, and it was really only practical for like transportation. But in this case, I mean, the 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 possibilities are endless and the way that they're implementing it, I really, really can't wait to see more. Um, and plus, you know, the, the Magnesis ability in Breath oh, yeah. of the Wild was pretty limited in what you could do. This seems to be like, hey, if you can see it and it's it's movable, you can you can you can scoot it where you want to scoot it. I'm ready, man. I'm ready well, for this one. Well, I mean, not only that, we'll finally have a use for all those choo-choo jellies that we all have uh, <laughs> lining our inventory because God knows there isn't really much to do with them in, unless you're uh, upgrading armor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it is. It's one of those things where they, they've they been talking about adding new mechanics to it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Nintendo does such a great job of like keeping things um very tight-lipped right like they're very you know under a uh closed lid when it comes to getting information and i think they did a great job of showcasing a little bit of what breath of the wild has to offer but not quite you know or uh, excuse me tears of the kingdom i'm gonna i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do (laughs) it's it's tough right for the longest time we were calling it breath of the wild too and now it has its own name and we're just like wait what you have to remember two names but uh nick now i gotta i gotta ask you and i gotta ask you james as well because i think this is something that 
Um, obviously, we're going to get around to the durability issue, what, what your thoughts are on that. But I know Nick mentioned this uh, a couple times ago, which was uh, carryover progression. Right, and that has never been a thing in Legend of Zelda. They've always come up with some way to knock you back down to three hearts. And uh, I, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mean, do you are you are you, do you wish you could bring something over from Breath of the Wild, or is there a, what reasoning could they have to be like, hey, remember all that stuff you earned in the kingdom? It's <laughs> gone now. I, we don't know what happened to it, but. <laughs> I don't think they would do it. And I'm going to I'm going to defer to James on this, James, because I remember um, Distend. Actually, it's one of the, the games that you talk about in the latest article that's on our website. Um, it has been done before where a sequel has come out for a Nintendo game where in the sequel, they came up with a clever way to let you transfer all of your stuff over from the original. Ooh. I'm talking about Golden Sun, a game that oh. was just so massive they couldn't fit it into one cart. And in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, handheld RPGs of all time. So we're we're. I got you on that one, man. I've played it, can confirm. Um, you know, it, it seems doable, right, James? So it, it definitely seems doable. Uh, will Nintendo do it? I mean, Nintendo will Nintendo, so maybe not. <laughs> um, but what I think it what I think is really powerful with uh, Tears to the Kingdom is it gets kind of lost in video games nowadays, and that's player agency. Like, your ability to kind of dictate what you want to do. We do get open-world games from your Skyrims to your Elden Rings and things like that, but sometimes that player agency just kind of feels like it's just going to be a part of the mechanic to drive the story forward, and I think they're going to pick up where they left off and just give you that full open-world agency. You want to go explore the floating islands at the start of the game with nothing but a tree branch like we just saw? Good luck. Yeah. You want to farm everything until yeah. you are max level. Also good luck. And I think with <laughs> that, that's what's going to that's what's going to kind of make us not really think about that kind of carryover. And I, I think they did that to just continue on because open worlds, they're just there's so many of them now, even in the JRPG world, you like Edge of Eternity was an open world. It was made by a French studio, open world JRPG. Everything felt kind of like a chore. And that's one thing I've noticed through my five hours into Breath of the Wild and then through this trailer, like it doesn't feel like a chore. And you literally have all the agency that we miss so much in these type of games. And I think that's Nintendo's way of hiding the lack of a carryover. Right. Yeah, well said. Um, I'm definitely thinking there's going to be, um, you know, some excuse to be like, oh, here's here's why you lost the Master Sword, right? Pull like a Metroid yeah. Prime and like, okay, well, it, here's it an excuse. It looks very aged, yeah. right? Like everything looks very aged. So it looks like he's going to go to sleep again for some time. And then it's in that naps, slumber, man. he is. He just, he's, I, I as I get older, I got to be honest with you, though. I appreciate a good nap. Like, I, yes. I, I don't know why I fought it as a kid. You know, I'm... <laughs> I'm I'm all about the naps now, but right, <laughs> you know, I, I I am super excited for this. You're right, all of the mechanics. I still want to see everything there. I think everything had its place in the game. The only thing that I think maybe felt a little forced was the uh, is the freezing blocks. Um, mm. Those those felt a little for, forced in terms of like what you needed them for. Um, but then again, like still to have that ability to kind of traverse water in a different way 
or to go out and, you know, I, I've done a lot of things like fish. I try to fish with the blocks of ice where I'll find a fish in the water and then shoot up the block of ice and then have it <laughs> flopping around on Extreme top of fishing. it. It's, yeah, Got exactly. It's a, lot yeah. Of, it's a lot of fun. So that you're right. You're right, James. Player agency, right? Like giving the, uh, the player the ability to play the game the way they want it is something I think is really important. I, I think that, and I've mentioned this before, it's really a shame when gamers find a really cool mechanic in a game that is maybe not exactly what the developers intended and they remove it because they're like, no, we don't want you playing that way. You know, one of the things that, you know, gets me was uh, Halo, Halo Infinite. And I'm well, I'm always going to pick on Halo because recently they've done everything wrong in that respect. And 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 people were were literally, you know, jumping across the entire map with like a super jump type of mm -hmm. slingshot move. Right. And sniping things along the way and making really cool videos, giving people content. People were actually playing the game. Mm -hmm. And and 343 <laughs> said, "Nope. We don't want you we don't want you playing it that way. That we don't like that, right? right. Like, we don't like you that maybe they think it's, you know, a sign of our game is broken. But I think that there's a fine line between, you know, our game is broken and big head mode. Mm -hmm. Right. Which just makes everything fun. So I think that, you know, Tears of the Kingdom did exactly that. They looked at some of the mechanics that that Breath of the Wild players were doing for five years and then said, you know what? We're going to add a fuse ability where not only can you make vehicles like you saw in the game, but now you can actually fuse weapons and kind of get around that durability issue, which I want to touch on. That was a huge thing. Uh, IGN did a poll and only 34% of people said that they liked the, the, the durability issue with the weapons and, and the shields. Uh, uh, a majority of people said they tolerated it. And then, you know, a, a, a smaller portion said that they didn't like it at all. Now, as somebody who plays a lot of uh, RPGs, James, what's your thought on durability in terms of these weapons and, 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 and usage items? So you have to balance it. So one thing that I have noticed, like in playing through uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, it feels like everything just breaks immediately, no matter what. And you kind of like you have to you have to get away from that. I mean, I'll, I'll use Minecraft as an example, like their their stuff has durability as well, but you don't notice it because you're so engaged with the environment. And I think the fusibility, that's their way of that's you getting engaged with the environment mm. to where you don't notice it anymore. Yeah, it's 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 a good cover up and it's a cover up in a way that just kind of just lets you like fully explore your mind and fully just see what you can do because you know as well as i bruno there's going to be so many people out there that are like i don't care about playing this game i am going to make a vehicle out of rocks and sticks <laughs> and i am making this work yep. while i while i wave my tree sword up above yep, yep. exactly MacGyver yeah. some weapons i'm ready for it like there's a, there's a lot of exciting uh, components to it and i think uh, at the end of the day 
Um, just getting any substantial amount of gameplay is really, really exciting. Good timing on their part. Um, the Nintendo model, as you've talked about many times, Bruno, of it, it'll be ready when it's ready. Yep. Um, I think is going to pay dividends on the on the back end of the Switch's lifespan. But it's coming um, up soon. I yeah, mean, really, it's less than less than a month away. There we go. I also have to point out uh, uh, Sharon in chat saying, uh, first of all, um, she has the uh, the Amiibo cards for Breath of the Wild. That's cool. I guess Ooh, she found those too. from her Bye. brother. Yeah. Also saying he's not napping. They're uh, they're uh, uh, preserving the world's only hero like hypersleep. So it's like a demolition man type situation. Ah, uh, I like that. <laughs> we got That's a good theory. In the <laughs> ice. Ganon <laughs> <laughs> is Wesley Snipes. There. Oh, I like it. I like it. Oh, you see, who, who knew? Who knew? You know, now I was just, we I was... need a college kid to write a dissertation on the similarities between Legend of Zelda and Demolition, <laughs> Demolition Man. Man, what have and I done? We will have a winner. OK, that is a free thesis for you out there. Yeah. OK, if you're in media, that's yeah, a free. You're welcome. All <laughs> right. Give you an a. Yeah, well, you know. I like getting hypersleep when I can, but it's hard to get hypersleep in today's day and age, which is why I'm super glad we have amazing people. Uh, well, we're going to get to our, uh, our our other sponsor a little bit later, guys. But one thing I got to mention here is uh, the official sponsor of the QTB Network, and that's going to be Winner Winner Live Arcade. Guys, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the link in our bio. Go download Winner Winner Live Arcade. They're the only place where you can get uh, real prizes. Uh, I mean, really, really fun stuff. They got gaming theme prizes, different uh, claw machines, and your wins. You can actually trade in for tickets and go to their winner circle to redeem for prizes. Thanks, as always, to our uh, friends over there at Winner Winner Live Arcade. They've been super supportive of the podcast. We appreciate them very, appreciate them very much. Um, and if you haven't already, download it today and uh, use the link in our bio. Play some claw machines. You're going to have a good time. Bruce got Dancing Chicken on the screen. Look at him go. Okay, bye, Dancing Chicken. Okay. <laughs> All right, now I have to bring this up. And on the screen right now is a uh, one of the top, uh, I think, 10 uh, custom maps right now on Fortnite. Coming from the Creative 2.0 that's come out. So Unreal Engine 5 has gotten this, this huge rollout in Fortnite. And one of the things that came alongside it is Creative 2.0, which is this mode that takes what Creative was doing where you could, you know, create custom maps and, and to a certain extent rules and conditions and that kind of thing and just moves it up to the next level where now people are creating 2D platformers. They're creating racing games. Um, the most infamous of, of which I believe was somebody had created a, uh, actually this is from Epic Games themselves. They did a recreation of Rust from Modern Warfare 2 with the same gameplay style as well. No shields, kind of more militaristic than uh, most Fortnite games would be. Um, control points, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> exciting time for Fortnite. And, oh, yeah. you know, Bruno, as, as, the, as the Fortnite guy... I mean, when you're looking at this kind of thing, would you agree that this really needed to be the next step? Because at this point, Fortnite has already become such a, a predominant thing that I think the only way to go now is the Roblox route, right? Of not only is our game solid, but you can make whatever you want in our game. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to uh, entice me to to come back and and try different things I already have tried this out with brad we've uh you know kind of dove into it a little bit and it feels like an entirely different game it's really weird when fortnite does uh call of duty better than call of duty sometimes you know what i mean <laughs> like th the same type of mechanics are there and it's all been building to this right and i think that this perfectly encompasses what Fortnite has always been about, which is about 
you know, creating something on your own, building something on your own. And, and now they're just kind of taking that forge ability that Halo is so, you know, beloved for and, and known for uh, and, and putting that in into a game and and really unleashing it up, upon the world. Uh, so much so that they they had to pretty much give a warning to the community and say, hey, you cannot use stuff that like is copyrighted or you'll get banned. We'll have to ban you. Mm. You know, people have already started making Mario Kart uh, yeah. tracks. I mean, that look nearly identical. So this fast, is this, too. I, I, really, this is really, really crazy. And, you know, it really, to me, honestly, I think about something like this. I think about where Halo is at. And I think that this is like the nail in the final nail in the coffin um, uh, for them. Because I, as much as people are waiting for Forge, and it, as really cool as I think it could possibly be for for Halo... This is again a step above. It is something that there's a dragon, Nick. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. There's <laughs> a freaking dragon in there. There's yeah. like sword fights and all that goodness. So oh my gosh. I mean, I'm ready for it. I, I want to see what people create. I want to see what Fortnite continues to create. Mm. Uh and, and I really think that this is just becoming a behemoth. Yeah. of a game right james mm -hmm. i mean how do you stop a, a juggernaut like this <laughs> <laughs> i mean you you don't it, so you you hit the nail on the head like this is kind of the nail in the coffin for a lot of people people may gravitate towards battlefield call of duty apex still halo but you don't have i mean let's be real fortnite is the reason crossplay exists in its former fashion this game is a juggernaut wherever you look at it and now to give you the creative ability to basically include those other games you play and bring it in here with the charm the synergy and just the overall smoothness of fortnite why would you want to go back right exactly mm-hmm yeah there's just so much content here and it, what's crazy is that people are coming up with like different ways to play the game that you might not be expecting, like uh, 2D platformers, uh, board games, the list goes on and on. <laughs> and that's the beauty of Creative 2.0. And Sharon bringing up a great point of didn't Little Big Planet kind of start the game creative map making? I'm making, I mean, you could probably go back even further. Oh, yeah. It's, not, it, it's you know, the, the concept of, of a developer kind oh, of handing yeah, the keys to a, a, a player base. But, you know, it, I guess the point that's being made there, though, is the game actually being centered around it as opposed to it just being a, an added on feature of like, hey, come on in and do whatever you want in the game. Because I think what's going to happen here is we're going to see a, a scenario similar to Roblox where the game itself uh, becomes more about the people creating content for it and the way that, that that ecosystem works as opposed to just, hey, here's our battle royale, which remember was always an offshoot of the original Fortnite, which was supposed to be a campaign, which still exists. Um, but certainly isn't supported the way that um, that the the battle royale is. So I, I think we we've kind of moved into that territory. And I think what's really exciting about it is the people that grew up with Fortnite, the people that have invested their time and their money into Fortnite cosmetics and what have you. That just gives you even more to do with the stuff that you have. So it feels more like oh, your yeah. your investment is justified rather than oh, having 100%. to you know feel like it's a it's a it's it's a lost cause. I think it's a really healthy thing for the game, and I'm just excited to see. And you're right, you know, they 
even though Epic created um, the the Rust map, right, or Dust, I'm sorry, Dust map from Modern Warfare 2, they, yeah, they, they had to say pretty quickly, like, you got to be careful about the stuff you're putting out because you're right, Bruno, I saw that track that you sent me and it was, uh, was a Toad Harbor from uh, Mario Kart. Yeah. And it was a shockingly accurate recreation of it. And they did it in such a short amount of time that like the people that are really working right now behind the scenes to create the really robust content, we haven't seen that yet. We've yeah. just seen the stuff that people said, oh, creative 2.0. Let me just, let me, let me just blurt this out and just yeah. uh, see what, what people think to be the first on the scene. No, the people that are actually making like deep mechanics and like things that look like a, you know, almost like a Minecraft, like a programming language. It's going to be really, really cool to see um, what people come up with. And I'm just excited in general for uh, for the content. Maybe maybe we'll get a JRPG there, James. Maybe we'll get a, a Persona, Persona 6. What do you think? <laughs> hey, Final Fantasy 24, the Call of Duty Wars. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I, I want it. <laughs> We're at least um, 200 years away from Final <laughs> Fantasy 24, James. It's too soon. It's too soon. It's like once per 15 years now. They're going to freeze Nomura, let him you know, be on ice for a little bit, bring him back. The franchise is dying. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what would Kingdom Hearts do without him? Somebody please think of Sora. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Oh, uh, man. Well, yeah, just very interesting. And, and not like I said, not really necessarily a news story, just very much a trending headline right now. And one I wanted to make sure that we touch on because I'm, I really am excited to see more about it. Um, and I'll tell you what else I'm excited about, guys. And that is the amazing products that you can get over at our awesome friends at Advanced GG. Okay, listen, I've been trying all the flavors, all right? I got, I got cans of dates. I got the melon cream pop. There it is, this, this is tasty. I got like three cans of this stuff. Honestly, the Splitgate Rocket Pop, no one talks about Splitgate anymore. I like the flavor, okay? It tastes like a rocket pop. Guys, so many amazing flavors. And the best part is they are scientifically proven for esports or just gaming in general to enhance your decision-making skills. They did studies on this stuff. Um, and the, this flavor right here, the Mango Splash, you're going to love it. Check it out. They've got an open label, no hidden proprietary blend where you don't know what's inside the powder that you're drinking, okay? So check it out today at advanced.gg. Make sure to use promo code QTB at checkout. You're going to save 10% on your order site-wide. Thanks to our friends at Advanced GG. There you go. All right, now. All right, now let's talk about something terrible. All right, we've had, we've had positive news all day. Here's the bad news. All right. Here's the bad news. It's multiverses. It's not good. It's not good. You know, I thought multiverses was on the path to redemption when I, I, I did a jingle about it because they actually trademarked the, the name Big Chungus. And so I thought for sure Big Chungus was going to be a character that was added into multiverses or at least a skin for Bugs Bunny. I said, bring it on. Right. Never happened. Never happened. The, the season came out. I think the last character they added was Gizmo. Um, which is really cool. Like WB has been able to leverage their their countless IPs, right? You have Game of Thrones in there. There was going to be Lord of the Rings, but Gandalf got pulled. Um, and the list goes on and on, right? Adventure Time, really cool stuff. Um, and the idea of Shaggy fighting along Batman that we see on like, yeah. on, on those pictures is, is just a really, really cool concept. Well, they have decided that apparently the way to go is to actually shut down multiverses, at least temporarily. Um, this story coming from TheVerge.com, talking about how, oh, yeah, uh, later in, uh, in March, um, rather in April, rather, they are going to be shutting, the, uh, delisting it. So if you haven't downloaded multiverses already, which to be fair is a free-to-play game, um, you will not be able to, um, and is set to return in 2024. Uh, what they're saying here is that uh, June 25th, the actual servers will go offline after the delisting in April. 
And if you don't have the game at that point, tough luck. You can only play it offline if you do. They're saying it's going to come back in the first half of 2024. So we're looking at, they say early 2024, probably a year, if not more at this point for the game to come back. And, uh, you know, you look at what happened with Multiversus, uh, where the game came out, um, much like I was at Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. There were a lot of competitors to the Super Smash formula of fighting games that seemed to be on a path to, to replicate what they were doing. And no better timing than that, because the final character to be added to Ultimate, which was Sora, um, had, had was being announced around that time. So there was there was an opportunity for someone to come in and be the next Smash if they could find a way to pull it off. Um, and both Multiversus and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl just got forgotten. They, they did all the right things, I think, in terms of marketing. Um, they had an esports presence, specifically with Multiversus, with live commentary, Evo style. And, and people just lost interest in the game. I mean, James, did you have a chance at all to, to tussle with the multi, or at least see it in play? Like, it's an interesting concept, at least, right? So Friday nights before I moved, so moved from Texas to Utah. I traded nice heat for snow. Yay. Yay. Um, but so Friday nights we would get together, we would do a uh, local multiplayer, just smash, having fun four, five, six player chaos. And when multiverses came out, we actually took a break. Like it was the game that caused us to take a break from smash. That was like the Friday tradition. It it was fun. Sure. It was kind of wonky at release. They had so much to fix looking at you invader Zim with like cheese. <laughs> but that that's kind of what makes it fun. Like when you when you get to be there for the ride, be there for all of the fixes, all of the patches from day one, like so many of us were, like you're there for it. You're vested because it, it it's so rare nowadays that people can say, hey, you know, day one of this, I was here in beta and I've ri- ridden this through beta till now. Like you're you're taking that away. That you're taking a big part of what made it fun by just saying, cool. We're out. We'll be back in a year. It might be good or the next party fighter is going to be here. And we waited too long. Mm. Honestly, I mean, Bruno, you, yeah. you had a chance to uh, jump into this for a little while, right? Like, did you did what were your impressions when you when you uh, I actually got to play the game? I mean, it's I, I really liked some of the mechanics, especially the differences between it and Smash. You know, I felt like they improved upon some of the some of the more tedious parts of the combat in smash, right? Like the, I'll call it the skill gap, right? The get good kid. Um, but, uh, I think multiverses just was like you, like you said, James it was a little rough around the edges and it's a real shame to see this be taken down. I understand what they're trying to do. And I, I think it's basically kind of, but I assume take the the knowledge that they've gained and, and go from the ground up and say, how can we make this exactly what people want from, you know, for, for this time off? And I, I think that obviously when you have to maintain servers and you have to pump out content for a live service game that detracts from the overall experience that you're trying to put out, right? Like, you know, especially depending on the team, which I'm assuming is, is probably pretty small. 
Like it's a pretty, it's a problem. It's not like the likes of Fortnite, right? No. It's not the likes of Nintendo where they've got people that are, are balancing it for, you know, all, for years and, <laughs> you know, uh, trying to add something to it, right? Like it's something that it, it has to, it has to evolve. And, and the best way to do that is, is to kind of take it down and, and say, Hey, we're going back to the drawing board with this. We're going to come back strong. The best thing that they can do for gamers is give the legacy players something to come back to, right? If you've spent money on this, when this game returns, they need to go above and beyond because to pull it down for people that have invested money into it is, is a real shame. You know, Nick, you've spent, uh, you, you bought Taz. Right. I bought so. Taz. Yeah, I did. I had heard that he was a pretty strong character and um, you have a very limited amount of characters you can play from the from the get go, which which is one of the great ways that I thought it was overly monetized. I'm like, OK, I'll buy one. Let me just let me try this one character. And it still wasn't enough to, to get me invested because they have the battle pass. You have um, the microtransactions left and right. Yeah, it adds up quick. And my problem was you didn't get it was so hard to advance the battle pass. Here is the fundamental problem with Multiversus, and if they want to have any chance at redeeming this game, they need to realize that the, the forced 2v2 gameplay was a mistake. It's a really cool idea on paper to have a, a, a Smash-style brawler where you have tank-style uh, tank characters and you have support-style characters, right? Shaggy can heal people with the sandwiches that he drops, for example. That's a really cool idea, but it does not work on paper because now in the pro fighting scene, the people who do this and the people who like playing fighting games, oftentimes they'll just log on for a little while and play by themselves. But when you create a battle pass and you create a game where if you don't have a partner that's picking the right picks to complement the character that you picked and is not dialed into the, your style of gameplay and you're not communicating over comms, you're going to have a bad time. That problem doesn't exist with any other fighting game in existence. If yeah. the ad is only multiversus. So essentially you either have a friend that you always play multiversus with, or you don't play multiversus. That is the biggest problem because there is no such thing as a, as a, as a true one versus one style gameplay. If I'm supposed to have supporting abilities, why would I pick a certain character over another? A lot of problems that really, I think racked up that. And the fact you had access to so few characters, I, I just dislike games yeah. like that and they still exist. Don't get me wrong. But I think they tried to go too much into let's be smash, but let's monetize everything. And to be fair, um, the the CEO um, and co-founder of Multiversus um, from Player First Games said they're going to be re reworking the progression system based on the feedback. However, and I, I can't stress this enough, this is not healthy. People purchased founders packs. People purchased DLC like myself with the impression that much like any other open beta game that you would go from the open beta to here's the release date and maybe a little bit of downtime to keep the servers down. But you cannot do a full, almost a year or more, year. and they're not even committing to a date at this point. So yep. what kind of reworks need to happen? And what honestly, this is one of those things where you have to read behind the lines, between the lines, and I understand there's some speculation here on my part, but let's go ahead and do it. It's a podcast, for God's sake. When they <laughs> relaunched the game, I guarantee you this wasn't their plan. It didn't go well. The player base plummeted. We saw it happen. And now... They're trying to pivot and say, oh, well, we're just moving out of open beta now in order to save face and not have to say that the game was not successful as they wanted it to be. My guess right now is it's a wild coin toss if this game ever launches at all. And in this space right now to have a game come out for this long and be gone for a year when you restart, who's going to be there to pick it up unless you have a huge overhaul? 
I don't, I don't know, James. Do you, do you think there's any hope at all for, uh, for that reboot to be successful when you're talking about a year of downtime? So when I think of games that, you know, gave us open beta into live, like I'm going to go a couple deeper cuts. World of Warcraft, League of Legends. So anytime you have like a new game out there, like League of Legends, I, I've played since beta off and on. I have the Bowser Ramus skin like it is super fun, but they were nice. open beta for so long. And when they switched to, hey, we're live and we're ready to go, they were just down for, I think it was just like a day, maybe two. World of Warcraft, they let everybody in on the open beta. They gather everything and they actually give you hard, definitive timelines. It's like, okay, Wrath of the Lich King is coming out. Here's the open beta. We want your feedback for the Death Knight class. We want your feedback for how things are going. Cool. Hard shut off for open beta is this day. One month later, it goes live. Thank you so much. Early access for a lot of you through the purchases or if we befriended um, our ga- local GameStop or local game stores, they would give us the copies a day early. I remember that. Like, yeah, you, you got to do something like that. There is. So in the article that uh, um, Nick had linked to me that uh, we were looking over for this, there is one sentence that gives me a little bit of hope for people who have spent money. If you look at it, uh, IGN really talked about it and, you know, what the announcement is, what it means for us. At the very end, they say, additionally, refunds are not available as a result of the open beta closure. However, all progress and previously earned or purchased content will carry over when the game returns in 2024. It sucks that it's going to be a year delay. And it sucks that they're doing the bare minimum, which is, you know, just keeping your money there, keeping where it's going. You got to give us more like I'm happy like for you, you bought Taz. I'm happy if you come back to it in a year. Taz is still there for you. That makes me happy. And I hope that makes everybody happy who's been with this. But if you're going to have a year delay in that year delay, Street Fighter six is coming out. Yeah. God knows what other fighter is coming out. There's a second game. Yep, new Tekken, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a new party fighter. There's all every year we get two to three party fighters that try yep. to stick around, and if those two that are just that fly on that throw it against the wall and hope it sticks, if one of them does, multi who? Yep, <laughs> multi who? Oh, <laughs> Definitely, and and you know people are still flocking to the still flocking to Smash, right? Like. You know, they're still they're still selling Nintendo Switches, so people are still picking up the game. I looked at a, a the most sold games essentially. I think it was twenty twenty two for Nintendo, and Mario Kart was number one. So you know, for all those people saying, you know, oh, this is an old game or these are old games, I, I think we're past that point where we need a sequel. I think that if, if we can cleverly revise games, you know, they can stick around for years to come. And, you know, Fortnite did the same thing, right? You know, they, they had this completely different game and then said, Hey, maybe we add a battle Royale to it. You know, that still kind of gives me hope for, for halo, right? That maybe, there will be a battle royale down the road and that will improve the game. Um, maybe you're not holding out for a battle royale for, for Halo or, or, or any game, you know, in that respect. Maybe you 
you know, it doesn't matter, right? Like, I think that when we think of games now, that longevity is something that is changing in our minds because it's, it's look at how long people are playing games that are done right. You know, it's, it's years. Breath of the Wild, we were talking about at the beginning. Five years on, people are still making content around Zelda, you know, Breath of the Wild. That yeah. blows my mind that people are still <laughs> trying to do that, right? Yeah. And and God bless uh, Nintendo for, for dropping Tears of the Kingdom because that's about to re- re-energize everybody and give all those poor content creators something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> They've milked that game dry somehow. Yeah. They're still trying. Yeah, you're not wrong. Just uh, just a very interesting uh, thing. And it, I mean, the, yeah, the controversy is uh, is definitely happening out there with uh, with the with the public reaction to this. Um, this tweet that I'm showing right now from Wario 64, who is known for breaking a lot of stuff on Twitter, um, definitely got its share of, of outrage, which is more than uh, understandable. So just a uh, an interesting topic to continue to track, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear some more here as we uh, continue to see these shutdown uh, get closer and closer to those key dates, like April when the game will be delisted. But just not a good uh, a good story all around for uh, the folks over at uh, Player First Games and uh, what seemed like a pretty promising launch to where it is today. Well, I'll tell you what is a pretty promising launch, and that's going to be our good friend here, James Crow, with his debut article. On our website, uh, the five best GBA RPGs of all time. So, James, you know, uh, you had alluded to this in the pre-show about your your passion behind uh, not only gaming, but JRPGs in particular. So I think this was a great debut article for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of got you into JRPGs and uh, maybe how that uh, plays into your podcast. So... For me, um, like I've been gaming ever since the regular Nintendo OG Legend of Zelda got me hooked when my dad finally relented with all my badgering and was like, all right, here's the controller. Don't break my console. I was hooked. (laughs) Oh, man. But fast forward to the Super Nintendo. um, So I enjoyed like games like Arrow the Acrobat, Super Mario World 1 and 2. Like I enjoyed all the platformers. It was Chrono Trigger. And my grandfather that cemented everything when it came to JRPGs, he was living with us. And at the time I was that obstinate little punk. Like I was a jerk kid. I will admit it. I didn't want anything (laughs) to do with grandpa. I just wanted to play my video games. So (laughs) he went out of his way. Uh, He asked people he worked with, Hey, what's a really popular game. And lucky for me, one of the people he worked with loved JRPGs. And he was like, Oh, Oh, you got to check out final fantasy three. You've got to check out this. You've got to check out Chrono Trigger. And for some reason, that stuck with him. And so he actually purchased the game, and he was like, I'm going to give this to you, but we have to play together. I was hooked. To this day, I go back once a year on DS or Super Nintendo, and I replay Chrono Trigger. That's kind of my tribute to my grandfather. Awesome, man. Uh, Shala's theme was his favorite song from the soundtrack, and it is literally my ringtone, like, I've been hooked ever since. That is I love that. insanely wholesome. And yeah, that, really that's is. great. Yeah. For, so first of all, those are the types of stories that I really love. There's, I see, you know, these videos online of like people uploading their home videos of them up, you know, getting a game or something like that. Man, it just brings back so many like memories because I think that, you know, 
hopefully if you were a kid growing up with video games, you tr try and grab your parents and get them to play with you. Okay. Like it, it is so much fun. It, it can be a little frustrating at times or whatever, but you know, it, it really is. I remember playing racing games with my dad or fighting arcade games like, you know, at, at Pikeside Bowling, right, Nick? Go in there and go to the little <laughs> so the little mini arcade game there. And, yeah, they had a couple. Yeah, they had a couple. Yeah. They had Virtua Fighter, which is where yeah. I got, you know, that exactly. Right. We all have that story, right, that just mm -hmm. resonates us of, like, this is that this is why I love this game because, you know, I share this really, you know, uh, you know, intimate moment with, with, you know, family members. And so yeah. I think that's great. Those are the best type of stories, but you got to tell us with the, with the addition of game boy advance games. Okay. On Nintendo switch online, you gotta be hoping for one of these games to make an appearance right on, on, uh, on the switch. <laughs> I'm so I'm hoping so from Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, uh, DS, 3DS, I am I am hoping Nintendo keeps the trend because with Game Boy Advance, like if you all haven't seen the article, go read it. There's some deep cuts in there, like the one you can see here. Uh, Yggdras Union will never fight alone. That is a deep out there cut, but so much fun. I'm hoping mm. like if it's a licensing thing, Nintendo has tons of money. Like, hey, cool is what it is. We will put this here and right. you can play it. You can enjoy it. You can have fun with it. Like ultimately number one that has to be there is golden sun. Like yeah, golden sun and then golden sun, the lost age. Like you oh, yeah. have, you have to give us that because that, that game was so wholesome. And then to basically have Camelot turn into Mario sports game, the studio, like, come on, this is your history right here. <laughs> like that game you see right there yeah story is amazing top tier combat awesome you get puzzles like mm -hmm. zelda and then it at like when you learn it just from capturing the jinn to like following isaac through his whole story it's just it's jaw-dropping and that came yeah. out on the game boy advance way ahead right? of its time way ahead that of always time. that so first of all the, these I feel like JRPGs on something like the Game Boy Advance are blow my mind because this comes from at a time when like people were really heavily focused on PlayStation and Xbox. And if they were focused on Nintendo, it was probably like Nintendo Wii or, you know, um, right before that, you know, it was the tail end of what? Um, uh, the GameCube. GameCube, essentially the GameCube. So the fact that Nintendo had a whole subsect of like these games were continuously coming out, the library for Game Boy Advance games is absolutely massive. It is huge, yeah. it really is. And you know, to this just goes to show you that there are a lot of really good gems out there that that the world deserves to play. And that's what your local retro game store is for. Like you go, you pick up a game boy advance or something like that. And you go through the list of games and you find one of these and you're like, Hey, I'll give this a try. Right? Like, 
Yeah. You know, go old school. It's I think it's definitely going to uh be something that we start to see a trend in where, you know, people start to pick up some of these older consoles, especially now that the Nintendo eShop is oh, no boy. longer, you know, no longer God, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace. Okay. <laughs> and pepperonis. <laughs> it's it's real sad. It is, but yeah, I mean, a uh, great article. And yeah, uh, for all of our uh, viewers and listeners there, you can check this out by going to our uh, our website, quitthebuild.com. It's our featured article right there on the on the front page um, to commemorate the uh, the first of uh, what I'm sure will be many articles from not only yourself, but other people there at the Co-op Podcast Collective. So many amazing, and I have to say this, you know, there's there are so many amazing indie podcasts out there that are just, they're passionate about what they do. Like, and, and the, the topics that they talk about, they've got more knowledge than any, you know, big wig at IGN or whatever talking That's head true. is ever going to have about the things that they're passionate about, like you yep. for not only JRPGs, but I mean, your general game knowledge is really impressive. I was listening to um, your most re- one of your recent episodes about snow levels, which is a great theme for a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, yes, Chill Penguin is up there. But yeah, Cool Cool Mountain, Mario 64. That's 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 a peak. That's a peak. Yeah, we threw the penguin <laughs> over the cliff. What about it? OK, yeah, it's just part of the game experience. Every- Everybody yep. did it. I don't care who you <laughs> are. You threw that penguin at some point in time, and then you felt guilty afterwards. And then you threw Mama over the edge too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we're really excited about this partnership because, um, you know, uh, one hour, one decision. Of course, Tom and Chris over there. You know, they they same situation, right? Indie podcast, super knowledgeable, super passionate about the games okay. that they play. Same thing with your podcast. And I think there's a lot of value there in in a collective of podcasters that want to just talk about the games that they love. Um, yeah. And we're really excited to see uh, what content comes from that. And uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep those articles flowing, man. We want to, we want to hear more about, uh, about them video games. Hey, well, that's uh that's what we're here for. It's uh it's been so awesome to be able to do that and to work with you guys, especially like on this first one. Um, we're all excited. Uh, and I think it's safe to say for everyone, like, thank you so much for having us doing that. Uh, I hope everybody liked this. This is a preview to all things JRPG. So I've been talking with Nick. I have my creative juices, the little goblins (laughs) running around in my head. (laughs) They're on fire. Yeah. (laughs) The little bow goblins. Well, when you're on fire, we we go full NBA jam and say boom shakalaka. So, hey, hey, uh, great to hear. I I said that because I knew he had the button. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On quick dial. Um, Awesome stuff. And, yeah, we'll have the link to this article um, in the show notes. So check that out. And make sure to check out uh, your podcast there, uh, Games with John and James. We'll make sure to link to that as well. Um, And, uh, yeah. Check it out and uh, tell tell QTB sent you. You can't because you're listening to it, but you know you can say it to your your smartphone or radio. You know why not? I, I mean, someone's listening these days. There's you know surveillance out the wall. It yeah, it someone's is. listening. Yep. <laughs> all right, Bruno. Well, I think that's all about all we got for today. You want to sign us off here? Oh, Nick, I don't. You know, I don't know what the people. Yes, I do. Of course, I know what the people wanted. It's more QTB. Of course you can get more QTB on our website. You got to go there. Nick, did you tell him about the Patreon? Oh, my God. Did you tell him about oh, the people? Oh, you almost, I almost got God. Nick, I got to tell the people. I got to tell people. Okay, here we go. Thank you so much to our QTB and Fuego supporters on Patreon. That's Epicapture Productions, Matt.Bat, Caitlin, Courtney, Megan, Ashley, and Andrea. 
and our QTV Plus supporters, Nick Nick, the Dudist Monk, Indie Gamiacs, Alan Abadessa, Mr. Grove Games, the Intergalactic Pinecone, Fluffy Bunny, Terry the Kitten, and Maddie. If you want to support us for as little as $2 a month, check us out at patreon.com slash quitthebill. Get the extended version of this episode, plus bonus content like our monthly QTB nights and exclusive merch you can't get anywhere else. James is nailing that guitar solo. you love to see it. But what he doesn't know is that thing that we always forget to tell our guests that we do at the end of the podcast. James, you're going to go third. Just listen to what we do. Let's see if you can work in the moment. Here we go, Bruno. Show him how it's done. Oh, it's been an amazing podcast. So glad to be back. You guys are amazing. Thanks for tuning in to QTV. For Nick and James, I'm Bruno. For Bruno and James, I'm Nick. For Nick and Bruno, I'm James. He's a pro. He's a pro. He's a pro. He did it! (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Peace out! How'd it do? Quit the bill.